Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshake. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 49 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Now, before we get started on today's show, I wanted again to remind you guys about the Squat U Club. If you're not following me on Instagram, I'm doing a daily giveaway of my time to helping someone fix their broken technique, take the first steps in dealing with an injury, or just helping those who win in any way I can. On a daily basis, I probably spend three to four hours in the DMs talking with people and trying to help them for free. And this is on top of working already a 40, 50 hour a week job as a physical therapist, rehabbing people from injuries. But I still get hundreds of DMs each day that I just can't get to. There's just not enough hours in the day. So this club is a way for me to try to connect with one more person each and every day the way I do with everyone else and help them in any way I can for free. I think I just got done with my 120th Squat U Club post, which is pretty cool. And some of the improvements from the different interactions that I've had with people has already been made into a bunch of content, which you guys have probably already seen on the Squat U Instagram page or Facebook page. So here's the deal. As soon as I make a post each and every day, try to comment as quickly as possible, like the post and comment as quickly as possible with the hashtag Squat U Club. I will then personally pick one person each day, reach out to them, and we will get started on whatever you need to if you are a winner. Make sure you are first in line each day to do this. Uh, just turn on post notifications, go to the top of my profile on Instagram, three little buttons, click on it, turn on post notifications, and you will get a little notification as soon as a post goes live so you can like, comment, and get your entry in for a chance to win each and every day. So without further ado, let's get to today's content. Today I want to talk about elbow pain when lifting. Now this is something I've personally experienced. I think for the last couple months, I've been dealing with a right elbow injury, which has caused me to you know, really rearrange a lot of my lifting, and it's been a huge frustration. With as much uh, time that I spend helping others with their injuries, I still get injured all the time too, which is why most of the content that you guys see, not only have I helped people through those injuries as a doctor of physical therapy during our rehabilitation time, but most of them I've experienced myself. I mean, I've been training and competing in the sport of Olympic weightlifting since 2005. And even though I have not competed as life gets busy in about two years now, I still train six days a week, uh, just like I would have before. And injuries occur when you're training really, really hard. So an elbow injury is something we are going to be talking about today. Now, elbow pain can be one of the most complicated and confusing injuries to deal with as a strength athlete. Most research on weightlifters and powerlifters will actually rank elbow pain as one of the most commonly injured joints of the body. It's usually not number one. That's usually knee pain, back pain, hip pain. But elbow injuries are right up there. So chances are, if you've been lifting for a long time, you've likely sustained some type of maybe short-term injury to the elbow. Usually, elbow pain is not a dramatic injury. Yes, every once in a while you will see like an elbow dislocation during a weightlifter. I know um, a few Olympics back, I remember seeing an athlete 
catch a snatch and in the receiving position, their elbow dislocated. That's a very rare occurrence. Most injuries, especially weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, and strongman, you're going to see a lot more of those overuse, slow build over time injuries. You don't see as many very dramatic injuries. But despite being so common, you can scour the internet in research journals for days and it's really hard to find a consensus amongst medical and rehab professionals as to the best way to manage and fix elbow pain. I mean, if you just do a Google search, fix elbow pain or elbow pain fix for power lifters, there's a few things that pop up, but what you'll find is that there's so much inconsistency in the best way to fix it. No one's really saying the same thing as the other person. So, you know, who do you believe? Why is it so difficult to understand the elbow? Now, to do this, let's start by discussing just the anatomy of the elbow joint. You'll start to see exactly why it's so complicated. In school, most of us are taught that the elbow is a hinge joint that opens and closes like the metal bracket to a door frame. Now, to the casual observer, this may seem to be true, but there's much more to the elbow than what meets the eye. Unlike the hinging motion of the knee that occurs between two bones, right in our knee we have the femur and the tibia, the elbow contains three bones. We've got our humerus, which is your upper arm bone, and then you've got the radius and ulna. Those are two smaller bones in your forearm. Now, here's a way to really differentiate between the forearm bones, the ulna, and the radius. If you think about it, if you're holding your palm up, your hand up, and you rotate over, so you go from palm up, to palm down. Your thumb side bone of your forearm is the one that actually does a lot of that rotation movement. So think the one that's rotating a lot, that is the radius. That's just an easy way for me when I was learning all the bones and what they do to remember that. So together, the radius, ulna, and humerus, they form three smaller joints and they allow the elbow to not only bend, flex, and extend, but they also allow a little bit of rotation. That's the movement of pronation and supination. So there's much more things going on at the elbow joint than the knee joint. So it's not just a simple hinge joint. To make things even more complicated, there are 16 small muscles that cross this joint, far more than the few that cross the knee joint. Now, the main anatomical sites that you should know about are the medial and lateral epicondyles of the humerus. Those are sort of the big bony nubs that stick out on the side because they are the attachment sites for many tendons and ligaments. Also, the olecranon process, that's that big bony nub on the back side of your elbow joint. That's where your triceps attach. Those are sort of the main things that you need to be thinking about. So next, let's talk about screening the painful elbow. The first thing I do when evaluating an athlete that comes to me with elbow pain is to determine where their pain presents. Because like I said, the elbow can be pretty complicated, so you can have pain in a couple of different places. So first thing we have to do, where exactly are they feeling elbow pain? So while the treatment of an injury should never focus solely on the site of pain, differentiating where your symptoms present can actually help lead us down a little bit more efficient path for fixing the end injury. Now, the bony nub on the outside portion of your elbow, like I talked about before, that's your lateral epicondyle. That is a common attachment site for all your extensor muscles of your form. So if you hold your hand straight out in front, palm down, and you pull your wrist back, that is wrist extension. You will feel those muscles that attach at that lateral epicondyle move a little bit. Now, many people will complain of pain 
at that area with gripping exercises, especially with the palm down. So this would be maybe the palm down if you're doing a mixed grip deadlift, the palm down gripping of the barbell may create pain, or you may have pain with rotation of the hand while you're lifting. So for some people, if they're doing a bicep curl and they're starting with sort of a neutral grip and rotating to a palm up grip, that may create pain in that area. Now, why would you feel pain in that area with gripping? Because a lot of gripping exercises, we're thinking forearm muscles on the other side. Well, it's because grasping and pinching exercises where we're gripping create a flexion moment at the wrist joint. So we're creating, yes, we're using those flexor muscles on the other side of the form, but that must be offset by extensor muscle activity. So that means that it's placing a load on the extensor muscles on the opposite side to maintain wrist position. So that's why when you do a lot of gripping, not only will you be working, yes, your muscles on the other side of your form, your flexor muscles, but your extensor muscles also have a lot of load placed on them as well. Now, historically, pain on that lateral side of your elbow is referred to as tennis elbow or lateral epicondylitis. Now, there's two problems with that. First, inflammation, which is referred to as the itis, uh, tendinitis means inflammation, Inflammation hasn't really been found in many cases lateral elbow pain. So the term lateral epicondylitis isn't actually a very technically medically correct term. Second, we call it tennis elbow, right? How many people have developed this and they've never played tennis in their life? So now, yes, historically this came because a lot of people who play tennis get this type of injury. If you look at the research, sometimes it's like 35 to 50% of uh, tennis athletes will at one time in their career develop this type of injury, which is why it was a recall or eventually called tennis elbow. If you think about jumper's knee, we will get that a lot. That's patellar tendinopathy. That's often referred to as an injury with jumpers. So you have uh, basketball players, volleyball players historically. That's an injury they were very common to getting, but also you could get that as a young weightlifter doing a lot of cleans and snatches, even though you're not technically jumping a lot, you're still using that patellar tendon in a very plyometric manner, which could develop the injury. For this reason, instead of calling it tennis elbow or lateral epicondylitis, most people nowadays refer to that type of injury as lateral epicondylalgia. Yes, that's a very tough name to say. So really, if you call it lateral elbow pain, tennis elbow, it's really not a big deal. We're just talking medical terminology here. The bony nub on the inside part of the elbow, that's your medial epicondyle. It is a common attachment site for the flexor form muscles like we talked about just a second ago. When activated, those muscles work together to flex the wrist. So if you're sitting down and just doing a bunch of wrist curls, right? I remember doing those a lot when we were playing baseball back in the day. We did a lot of wrist curls because we want strong forearms. Well, sometimes if those are overloaded, it will create a pain on the inside part of the elbow called golfer's elbow. Again, it's a poor term to describe an injury just like tennis elbow because many people could get this type of injury and they've never played golf. For this reason, pain on the inside of the elbow is referred to as medial epicondylalgia now. So we've got those are the two most common areas on the inside and outside. 
On the back side of the elbow, you've got three heads of your triceps that converge to form that common tendon that inserts on the olecranon process. Remember the big bony nub on the back side that sticks out? And on the opposite side of that, we got our biceps. Everyone remembers that. We got your biceps, you have your bicep or brachioradialis, and your brachialis muscles. All those are on the front side of your body. So as you can see, there are a lot of different tissues and sites that can take place uh, as far as symptoms occurring. However, poking around and sort of prodding and finding which tissues are irritated and painful is only a portion of that screening process. In order to really figure out why you developed that elbow pain, regardless of the fact of where the symptoms are actually presenting, we have to also consider two other factors, and that's the kinetic chain and poor programming, basically whether or not the way in which you've been programming your lifts has played a part into it. So let's talk kinetic chain. I'm sure every single one of you remember that childhood song that goes, the knee bone's connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone's connected to the hip bone, and yes, I hope you guys enjoyed my singing there, right? Everyone remembers that song. The seemingly innocent melody of that, though, is something that actually many medical and rehab professionals could learn from. Too often I see patients who've come to me from failed attempts at rehabbing an injury from another physical therapist or a doctor or a chiropractor, and when I talk to them, I'm like, what exactly did you do with this prior person? It's because that person only attempted to treat the site of pain. When it comes down to the elbow joint, for example, failed treatment plans usually encompass exercises or treatments directly to the fore muscles or passive treatments like ultrasound, taping, scraping techniques like Graston, only to the site of pain. No one moves away from just that area where they're feeling the symptoms. Now, while it's not my goal to discredit any specific modes of rehab, there's places and times for tape. There's places and times for scraping techniques. Not as much ultrasound, personally, but it's another discussion. We are missing the big picture if we never take a step back and look into the other possibilities contributing to why an injury would take place. We have to take a full body approach. I always tell my patients when they come into me, if they're coming in for elbow pain, I'm here to treat you as a person. I'm not here to treat an elbow. If I only look at the elbow, I only get partial results. I need to take a step back, take a step back, throw down the microscope, and look at your entire body. Think about this. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. I'm sure plenty of people have heard that quote before. But it's very true, especially when it comes to the body. If one link all of a sudden loses its hold, the whole chain fails, right? If we look at our body as a linked system or a big long chain, it becomes easier to see a problem or how a problem at one joint could have a direct effect on another elsewhere in the body. Now, the idea of searching out weak links in joints above and below the side of pain is how we uncover all these contributing factors for why an injury occurs in the first place. Essentially, the goal is to take a step back and to evaluate the full body, like I said. We want to make the invisible visible. That's something I remember Kelly Starrett of Mobility Wad would always say. We're trying to make the invisible visible. And that's exactly how you find all of the contributing factors. Because again, if 
you just look at the side of symptoms, you get partial results in your fixes usually. Sure, someone could make your pain go away in the short term. We can voodoo band the crap out of your elbow. We could ultrasound, scrape it. Sure, you may feel good for a second, but likely that injury is going to come back because you never addressed why that problem started in the first place. So regardless of where your symptoms are presenting, whether that's tricep or maybe on the inside or outside, remember that's the epicondylalgia, the fun word to say, making the invisible visible starts by looking at the joints directly above and below the side of pain. We're talking about the elbow. Where's that wrist and shoulder complex? Now, in order to perform many barbell lifts, we require a mobile wrist. Think about the wrist position um, you have to be in in order to hold the bar over your head if you're doing a press, a jerk, or a snatch. You have to have an extended wrist, so it's got to look like an L position. Now, why is that the best and most efficient way? Think about a gymnast doing a handstand. What position are their wrists in? It is in an exact L position. It's because that's the most efficient way to maintain stability and manage a load through that joint. So the same position has to be held whenever we have a weightlifter with the barbell overhead. If you cannot fully extend your wrist backwards due to, let's say, either mobility or motor coordination problem, you're going to get excessive forces placed on other structures down the chain. So your broken link is at the wrist. Where's the chain going to eventually snap? You're probably going to have symptoms eventually at the elbow. Over time, this can increase forces at the elbow in you know, a couple different areas. So we don't necessarily know exactly where, but it's going to develop at the elbow. And that's when you're going to have pain. So to screen your wrist mobility, pull your hands together, pull them down, sort of this prayer pose. Can you pull your wrist into a position of 90 degrees, sort of an L position? If you came up short, it just means that you have a problem at the wrist and that needs to be part of your rehab. That could be possibly doing some forearm soft tissue mobility work or some joint mobilization, you know, that's a time for another discussion, but that is part of your checklist. Next, let's go upstream. Let's go to the shoulder complex. We require a very thorough evaluation at the shoulder to understand why someone could develop issues at the wrist. Now, what goes into the shoulder complex screening? There's a lot of stuff. We have to look at uh, lat in pec flexibility. We have to look at thoracic spine mobility. We have to look at uh, strength and stability, external rotation strength, for example, of the rotator cuff and stability to limit excessive or unwanted forces. All of those have to go into that. Now, a couple weeks back, I talked about thoracic spine and lat flexibility, so those are screens for that. If you want to understand how to really go through and screen all that, squatuniversity.com blog articles at the top. There's a drop-down menu. Um, I have a blog. It's very long called How to Screen the Painful Shoulder. If you have elbow pain, go check that out. So even if you don't have shoulder pain, go check out that blog because it's got so many different screens that you can use to uncover a weak link at the shoulder complex, and that will have a dramatic impact on your rehab program for your elbow. So here's a reason why a weak link at the shoulder complex could create elbow pain. I find one of the most common complaints, especially amongst powerlifters who are doing low bar, is elbow pain 
during the execution of a back squat. This is actually like I talked about why I was feeling my elbow pain. I would get it during the back squat and then it eventually turned into I couldn't even do a snatch without excessive pain. Uh, so this was something I think it started during my back squat. So often the reason for developing pain at the elbow during a back squat is not a problem of just the elbow itself. It's really a lack of joint mobility. When you look at someone that has elbow pain while they're back squatting, you say, hey, extend your elbow, flex your elbow. They usually have full or sufficient elbow mobility to get there. It's not that they're lacking strength. They've got a ton of tricep strength, especially if they're a power lifter. I'm sure they're benching a lot. You know, I'm sure they could easily curl a crap ton of weight. So it's rarely a strength issue at the elbow itself. Instead, the weak link can often be traced back to the shoulder complex. Again, in this case, I may ask uh, an athlete, for example, that's having this presentation to sit against the wall and have their arms in that L formation, sort of like that field goal formation. So backs against the wall, they're sitting down, take their arms up into that field goal position and put them straight back on the wall and see if they can then slide their arms down the wall, forearms in contact with the back of the wall the whole time. Can they get it down to about a 45 degree angle with that humerus and their torso without compensation, without rib flare, without their palm or the back of their wrist popping off the wall? If they're unable to, it likely means they're missing mobility somewhere else up that body at the shoulder complex. This could be pec major minor. It could be lat uh, inflexibility. There's probably a reason up there. So what does this do? Attempting to back squat without first having the necessary movement capabilities to hold the bar without compensation creates this environment where something eventually breaks down. Now, just like the knee joint is a hinge between the ankle and the hips, the elbow often takes the brunt force when we have a problem at the wrist or the shoulder. Now, even though the elbow isn't a true hinge joint like we talked about before, there's three different joints that can do flexion, extension, pronation, supination, which is the rotation. Problems at either the joints above and below can create that chain effect, which can lead to excessive stress at the joint, which eventually leads to symptoms. In my own case, why was I developing elbow pain? I had developed some lat stiffness on my right side compared to my left side. Now, it was very difficult to actually see with just the naked eye. Just raising my arm overhead, I mean, you could barely tell that there was a difference at all. It wasn't until I asked another therapist that I work with to take a look at my uh, shoulder complex that they were able to really piece out, hey, that lat on that right side is much stiffer and not movable as well as the other side. It made sense. Lat stiffness was creating poor movement pattern, which eventually was leading to an excessive overload down the chain at the elbow. Boom. Since I really started focusing on getting some lat mobility work in and some coordination stability work for how my shoulder blade was moving, my elbow pain has dramatically decreased. So that was talking about the whole kinetic chain variable. The second variable I talked about, we have to understand poor programming. Doing a ton of back squat, for example, or a ton of pressing, for example, but in a compromised position can lead to an overload of certain tissues. Now, even with good technique, it could lead to you know an eventual overload of some tissues, depending on the person and how quickly they're progressing through. That's why we cannot always take these cookie cutter programs and just apply them to everyone because everyone's got a different history. Everyone has a different um, way in which they 
move. Um, you know, you take someone that is a school teacher and they have a certain movement pattern throughout the day and certain loads placed on their body and you compare them to a construction worker. Both of those people are going to go to their workout at 4 o'clock in the afternoon after the day gets done and the forces of their program, even with good technique, will have dramatic differences in how their body is responding to the training. Some forces may be in overload for one person where it is not for the other person. So every single person has a different load tolerance for their tissues based on how they're using it throughout the day, their body, uh, their history, you know, has have they trained for five years? Have they trained for 15 years? There's a very different way in which the body will absorb and dissipate forces. So that's one thing we have to look into. If you have elbow pain, let's look at your training. Are you doing too much? Uh, obviously, we need to take technique into account because if someone has poor movement quality, it will lead to that overload much quicker. For example, that person has a very compromised lat flexibility on one side and they put their elbow into a compromised position. Even if it's not very available to the naked eye to see that they're in a compromised position, they're clearly going to be overloading certain forces on the elbow quicker than if they were able to be in a good position. So that we always have to check out technique first. Now things you can do in the short term, let's say we go again with this example of elbow pain in the back squat because that is such a common complaint that I see especially with my power lifters out there. What's one thing you could do in the short term? Obviously we need to work on rehab, things we'll talk about here in a second, but obviously you still want to continue training. One thing we don't want to do is just continue smashing our head against the wall and thinking it's going to get better. Something you can do switch to a specialty type squat bar, for example, like a safety squat bar. It's going to put you in a different position. So instead of holding the barbell on your back, you're now holding the bar in the front with those handles. Now, yes, it's not the exact same, but changing the position will decrease the demand on your upper body to be into that position, restrictive compromised position. So it's going to take some of those forces off the elbow, allow you to still train while you fix what you can fix. So sometimes that can be a helpful tool in the short term to allow you to still train around an injury, but not put yourself in a position where you're continuing the injury cycle. So let's talk now about fixing elbow pain. As you've come to find out by now, there are many different classifications of elbow pain. You could have medial, lateral epicondylalgia. You could have a bicep distal issue. You could have a tricep issue. Um, on top of that, when we bring into account all the different weak links, you could have a stability issue at the shoulder, a mobility issue. You could have a mobility issue at the wrist. You know, there's so many weak links above and below the side of pain that could come out. We find that there's many different scenarios for why someone could develop pain at the elbow in the first place. So for this reason, there is not a one-size-fits-all approach to rehabbing an elbow joint issue. So I think that's probably one big reason why when you Google search or YouTube search, elbow pain when powerlifting or elbow pain when squatting, you're going to see a number of different things pop up and no one has a consensus because really it comes down to an individualized approach in what one person says may not be what you need to fix your issue. The first step has to be understanding what weak links are contributing. So you have to have a good screening process. So like I said, if you have not yet screened your shoulder or your wrist and you're dealing with elbow pain, go check out those links I talked about and see if anything pops up. So we have to take that global approach to understanding your body if you really want to treat this and not just make your symptoms go away. Now, yes, you can also take a local approach. 
you sort of have to take this multifaceted approach when dealing with an injury, especially if it's been going on for a while. Local approaches are still okay. What is a local approach? We're talking about soft tissue work to the actual area. So, you know, rolling, uh, doing some soft tissue work, uh, sort of like going to a mean massage therapist to the uh, forearm muscles or the extensor muscles, whether you're rolling a lacrosse ball, smashing it with some, you know, a barbell, doing voodoo band flossing. That's not a problem at all. For most people, um, a lot of injuries, especially like the lateral elbow pain, it responds very well to wrist strengthening because a lot of times when you have that elbow pain, it will be affected either a cause or a result. Um, you will see diminished wrist extensor strength. So sometimes improving the strength of that area and the tendon that attaches there can be helpful. And then for some people um, that have lateral elbow pain specifically, there's different mobilization techniques um, called a mulligan uh, mobilization with movement with a belt. It's very hard to describe over podcasts, so I will have a video on that eventually. But that's also something that can be very helpful at decreasing symptoms. But again, true fixes do not come with looking directly at the site. You have to have sort of that global kinetic chain and the local soft tissue work, uh, mobilization and strength work if you want to try to find a full fix. Now, on top of that, I will say that there are always going to be some issues that don't sort of fall into those neat categories. You'll have like radiating pain, nerve-like pain that shoots down your arm or creates pain and numbness and tingling into your hand or other parts of your forearm. Those are going to be a little bit different. I'll try to get some blog writing on those and some videos on those because they can be a little bit difficult to fix. Um, but if you have any elbow pain and you feel like it's connected to a nerve issue, and especially if you feel like it's connected to a neck issue, if you have neck pain and elbow pain, I would highly recommend getting checked out by a sports physical therapist, chiropractor, medical doctor that knows what they're doing and it's going to take a full body approach and not just try to shoot you up with cortisone and think that it's going to make everything feel better. So that is it for today's quick podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and was able to give you a little bit better understanding of the elbow, both anatomy, sort of the function and how you can start addressing your body if you are dealing with elbow pain because it can be annoying, it can be frustrating when you're dealing with an elbow injury because there's so many things out there. If you try to do a search and try to fix your body and there's a lot of bad content and a lot of content that may not really lead you down the right path. So hopefully this is uh, able to put that into a little bit better perspective and a little bit better outline so you can empower yourself to understand your body a little bit better and lead yourself down to the right fix. You can keep on training and hit some big-ass PRs in the future. So hope you guys liked today's show. Uh, please, if you did enjoy it, please continue to share the podcast with uh, all your friends and family. Take screenshots of it and share it on Instagram. I've tried to respond to every one of you guys that have done that and just say personally reach out and say thank you for sharing the podcast. It means the world to me to have your ears and to listen to the podcast as it's continuing to grow. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Until next week, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.